0: Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Lyons. And on today's show, we will be welcoming in Jesse Friedman, Jesse N. Friedman, as he's known on the Twitter sphere. He'll be coming in from PHNX Diamondbacks to talk about the first place Diamondbacks. Seriously, that's the world that we live in here in 2023. Discuss the Dodgers, the third place Dodgers who are coming to Coors Field. They're there. Right now for a three-game set against the Rockies. Preview that series. But, of course, we're going to start off the week like we normally do. It's not necessarily minor league Monday, but it's more fitting because it's Tuesday morning. We'll talk about our prospects of the week. And before we get to that, we did have a piece of news that that broke on Friday. That's kind of interesting and could be in play as a storyline for the remainder of the season. And that's the fact that Nolan Jones is now a rookie. He was at that 45-day service time mark and if you've got 45 service days or more you're no longer considered a rookie you have to have less than that and he had less than that as far as like at bats and plate appearances games played for pitchers it's innings pitched. so if you're a reliever you could be on the roster all year and get under that i want to say 45 inning limit and it might look like you're a rookie but you're not because you're on the roster all year long like jake bird Not a rookie, but you might see that on the Fangraph's website if you sort through the rookies. That being said, Nolan Jones, he's now a rookie. He's going to be in that conversation here in regards to being a Rookie of the Year candidate alongside Brenton Doyle and Ezekiel Tovar. Maybe all three of those guys could possibly get a vote. Maybe some of them will get a third-place vote. Maybe Tovar will be able to overtake Corbin Carroll. He's got a long way to go, and we'll talk with uh, Jesse about that in just a moment. But here's a couple words from what Nolan Jones had to say on Friday about his season and how things have been going as of late for the rookie right fielder.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think baseball is like, I mean, baseball is a game you have to play every day. Guys are throwing 100 miles an hour. Like, if you don't see it every day, it's hard to adjust to. So, to get the opportunity to come here and, you know, play every day and have small contributions, whether I have a bad day offensively, make a play, um, it definitely gives me confidence. Um, I think that the hardest thing about the big leagues is believing that you belong in the big leagues. Um, so, to have small moments here and there that's like, okay, maybe I can play here. Mm-hmm. I think it goes a long way.
2: Where have you seen the most growth from yourself from
1: the start of the season? I think I think I mean the position stuff is something that I take pride in. Um, You know, I'm learning different positions. Still not a great outfielder, but I'm I'm working on it. Um, (laughs) Well, I'm working on it. Um, I think I take pride in in that, and then obviously in the box every at bat, like I had at bat in Atlanta that I kind of walked back from and I was like I, I, it wasn't I wasn't I mean I was fully locked in but it, I felt like I gave a pitch up or two yeah. um, and so it's like kind of like learning from those moments and you know I, I, I'm always trying to get better I think we, we're always trying to get better and it's how we're going to be great players one day um, so I think you know taking every day and, and learning from it
0: honest in that conversation that we had. Myself, Kevin Henry was there, Thomas Harding, Kelsey Wingert even jumped in. In fact, you can see the entire interview over on the DNVR Sports channel on YouTube. Go ahead, uh, like and subscribe to our channel there. And Also, if you're just listening to this as a podcast, please like, subscribe, please leave a review. We haven't gotten uh, a ton of reviews lately and we always get new listeners you know, each and every day. So if you're listening to this uh, for free and you're not a diehard yet, that's quite all right. Just go ahead and leave a review for us. We got to review some rookies. We got to review some. Actually, they're not even rookies yet. We're talking prospects, prospects of the week, four of them, one for each level. And at AAA, it was a guy that he's not with the Rockies anymore. He was up for a day, then he got sent back down. CJ Crone did get activated. But Michael Tolia is our AAA minor league player of the week. Hit 267, two home runs, five RBI. The key numbers that we talk about with a lot of these minor leaguers is the swing and miss pitch selectivity. He walked four times, only struck out twice, so that was really nice to see. Unfortunately, he is no longer with the team right now; sent back down to Triple A, so he will get an opportunity eventually at some point He'll be able to show a lot more of that patience with the Rockies. Hopefully, the season. Hunter Stovall, we keep saying his name. Two homers and four RBI. Cole Tucker, we keep saying his name, 11 for 28. Hit three ninety-three on the week with a homer and a stolen base. I think there's a chance we could see both of those guys. Really great stories. You know, a lot of redemption there for these guys who've been down in the minors for a while. And for someone like Cole Tucker, he's already been in the majors with the Pirates for a couple seasons. But that road back to the majors can be a tricky one. And so he's uh, he's doing a nice job to get himself back there. Honorable mention to Matt Koch, three and two-thirds innings pitch. Another former big league guy that we could end- end up seeing in the bullpen. Otherwise kind of a rough week for isotopes pitching our double a prospect of the week. This was a tight one. It was not Yankee. El Fernandez. It's actually going to be Gabriel Hughes, seven innings pitched in his lone start of the week. Only three runs, one walk, seven strikeouts, incredibly impressive for a guy who was just drafted last year, viewed almost as a reach in that 10th spot. He was viewed as maybe the back of the first round. Rockies go ahead and take him. Sign him for less than that slot value, allowing them to pay a little bit more for a high school lefty like a Jackson Cox, uh, as well as Jordan Beck from the University of Tennessee. And you say, all right, we're getting maybe more quantity than quality, as it were, but absolutely fantastic uh, job drafting him and developing him along that way. Yankee Fernandez Fernandez, no slouch, two homers, six RBI, did hit 300 for the week. Don't like that he didn't have any walks. He did strike out 10 times. But he's actually going to be the Rockies' lone representative in the Futures game. That's coming up on July 8th. That will be Saturday. Rockies are in San Francisco, a two o five game. The futures game will start there at uh, T-Mobile Park in Seattle at five o'clock. So you that might be a double dip for you. you might be able to get watch watch both of those games. It's only going to be a seven inning exhibition. So the rosters are a lot smaller than they would be normally. You would have hoped that the Rockies could have gotten two guys on that roster, but Fernandez is going to be the only player there of of note for the Rockies. Also have to mention, of course, Matt Holiday's son, Jackson Holiday. Uh, basically, now the top prospect in all of uh, my, uh, in all of minor league baseball, all the big leagues there, and uh, he'll be in that game. Jordan Lawler for the Arizona Diamondbacks, as well as six foot six Spencer Jones of yeah the New York Yankees. So Yankees have another Titan uh, future player in their lineup. In the coaching staff and the National League, a couple notable names: uh, Adrian Beltre is going to be the hitting coach. But in the American League, hoping to catch up with Rockies great. Kind of a question mark at the end. Jamie Moyer. Jamie Moyer is going to be the pitching coach for the American League. So uh, that will be cool. I, hopefully I'll get a chance to catch up with them out, as I'll be providing coverage out there Saturday through the actual All-Star game itself on Tuesday night. Honorable mention uh, for the hitters also. Nico Decolati, 313, 5 for 16. And Nick Garcia, uh, the guy that came over in the Connor Joe trade. He went six innings. Only gave up one hit. No runs allowed. Evan Justice and Nick Kuzi doing a nice job in the bullpen. High A prospect of the week for the Rockies, Jordan Beck. I think this might be his second time in the three weeks that we've been featuring prospects of the week. He's ready to go up. He is ready for double A. Two homers, nine RBI. He walked six times, two stolen bases. I'm not really sure what else there's left for him to do. Perhaps they want him to struggle and get through one of those slumps and say, look, you're going to have to deal with this in the majors, so you might as well learn how to dig yourself out of one of those holes. But he's pretty much ready to go. Just like we said a couple of weeks ago, Yankeel Fernandez was ready for Double A, finally got the promotion. Jordan Beck, ready for Double A, That should be happening at any moment. Honorable mention to Zach Kokoska, who's been a real surprise having a solid 2023 with high-A Spokane, two doubles, triple homer, stolen base, five RBI, and shortstop Nick Kent, a 23-year-old breaking out after being an 11th-round pick out of the University of Virginia back in 2021. He hit 304 this week with four doubles, four RBI. And Jared Candy, he's been another one of those sleeper players uh, at high A in the rotation for Spokane. Seven innings pitch, Blake Adams, five and two-thirds innings pitch. A couple others had really good weeks. Spokane uh, may go back-to-back in that Northwest League championship. And our low A prospect of the week, Jesus Bugarin, outfielder, seven RBI, hit 294 with... Two stolen bases. Andy Perez was up there again as one of the top players for the Fresno Grizzlies in this last week. A double stolen base, six RBI. And props to left handed starter Alberto Pacheco, 20 year old, just his third start. Seven innings pitched, four hits, one run, one walk. Eight strikeouts also had really good starts from Michael Prosecchi and Connor Stain. So, you really like what the prospects are doing down there. They've got a way to go. We want to let the kids play, but the kids are definitely kids when they're down in low A, high A, and only some kids in double A will even have a chance to make their debut in the second half for the Rockies this year. But make sure you're making a debut if you've never been to the DNVR bar on the corner of Colfax in York, make that debut. Head on down here, especially if you're a diehard. So many wonderful benefits. Online, of course, dnvrlocker.com. You get 20% off all the gear, 20% off the takeovers. We've got two coming up for the rest of the season. July 29th against the Oakland A's is one of them. And in fact, if you want to get the other one, On September 16th against San Francisco, you can double dip and save even more money as a diehard on that package. But of course, when you do come down and make that debut at the DNVR bar, you are gonna get 15% off all of your food and drink. Got to head over to Saturday Neon so you can get yourself set up with some serious LED signs depending on what college you may have gone to or even root for. They've linked up with 19 Division I schools, University of Colorado, CSU Rams, of course, Arizona, Alabama, Auburn, Wisconsin, so many more. High-quality materials from this company that was started up by two friends. They were college roommates and at CU. They've got these licensed collegiate logos. These signs are amazing to make your garage, man cave, or just, just living room look absolutely fantastic from small to really large. They've got really large, almost like three feet by three feet. Uh, it's absolutely uh, magnificent. Just, just go to watch. I love doing some window shopping uh, when, I'm, when I'm thinking about getting a new product. Go window shopping on SaturdayNeon.com. And when you're ready to go all in, you get 10% off when you use that code DNVR, and you also get free shipping with your order over $200. And make sure you are drinking professionally. How about that? I like that. Drink professionally with Breck Brew Mountain Beach Sour. It's officially summertime, and it definitely feels it. Definitely feels like the summer with the temperatures that we got right now. And what better than the aroma of fresh? Pineapple, pineapple blend with notes of guava. That's what we're talking about with the Mountain Beach Sour. If you're not sure where to get it in your neighborhood, go to breckbrew.com and the Breck Brew Locator. Type in your zip code, boom, you'll find out where you can get it anywhere around the country. The beer that's brewed right here in Colorado with Colorado ingredients and 100% renewable energy. Breckbrew.com and the Breck Brew Locator. To find Breck Brew near you, well, a gentleman who's near and dear to me and I always love seeing in the press box or at a thin crust pizza place or the Arizona Fall League, y- you name it, Jesse Friedman of PHNX Diamondbacks. What's going on, Jesse? Good to see you.
2: Great to see you too, Patrick.
0: I appreciate you got the City Connect green on. I, I, at least that's what it looks like from here. Got to ask 25 to 1 Everyone's got their takes. They're kind of all the same. That's an awful game. But what were your thoughts during that game or, or after, just kind of seeing the box score? Twenty-five to one loss to the Angels on Saturday by the Rockies. <laughs> what were your thoughts on it?
2: I mean, honestly, my my thoughts. I, I have more thoughts on the series than I do on that individual game because, as yeah. you know, Patrick, the reality is the Colorado Rockies won this series. The the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim departed that series uh, losing two out of three to uh you know uh, not not one of the better teams in in baseball so uh at the end of the day run differential uh you know doesn't really matter all that much what what matters most at the end of the day is which team actually won more games in the series and the colorado rockies won the series patrick so i don't know what everyone is so up in arms about
0: I do think that there's a chance that both teams left Coors Field on Sunday with their heads down. Like the Angels, ah, uh, we should be feeling pretty good, but we did lose that series and but you know, the Rockies they they do a good job of flushing those losses and in the case of a 25 to 1 loss, it might be a two flusher. And so hopefully they did that and they were able to keep their heads high because they did win the series. And we'll talk about the Dodgers series coming up here in a second. But when you look at the Rockies right now, Jesse, it's always great to get an outsider's perspective, or like somebody that's just outside uh, our region and, and covering the team. What do you see when you look either at the 2023 Colorado Rockies or just the Rockies organization in general?
2: i i see a team that seems to be uh struggling to to come to terms with where they're at uh it seems like the rockies for a number of years now it's been pretty clear that this team was was probably not going to contend that they were going to have a period of a few years where they're going to have to build up some assets and uh you know try to build the farm system as much as they can and then try to make a run here in another couple of years, I was pretty dumbfounded last year when the Rockies chose to extend Daniel Bard instead of trade him. Uh, you know, if I were if I were at the helm in Colorado, uh, which it's probably good I'm not for a number of reasons. But one thing I would do is is probably look at you know what could you get for Kyle Freeland in a trade? You know, what could you get for Ryan McMahon in a trade? Uh, you know, I understand you don't necessarily want to sell off every piece that you have. I think there's some merit to keeping some guys uh, in the organization. I know Charlie Blackman obviously is a huge part of, of just the franchise culture in Colorado, but you got to start making some moves. You got to identify what direction you're going and, and stick with it and trust that process. And it seems like the Rockies have had a hard time coming to terms with that in recent years.
0: Direction definitely seems to be that key word and kind of accepting where you're at the, the, the Rockies don't like the, the word rebuild, right? And of course, tanking is going to extremes. But if you can at least accept where you're at, you can create a better direction for yourself. Who do you want to keep around? Or just, you know, recognizing the reality of the John Gray situation happened in 2021. And I think it was, uh, you know, they got outplayed maybe by John Gray's agent saying, hey, no, we, we want to stay here. So then you don't trade him when you could trade him and still negotiate and, and sign him. You don't. Give him the qualifying offer, and then he goes elsewhere and is able to get you know the most bang for his buck, the most uh money that he can get possibly on a contract because there's not a qualifying offer hanging over his head in that capacity. And then going into this season, and you can even make the case last year, the Rockies should have thought maybe now's the time we move on for Herman Marquez, either we extend him going forward or we yeah. trade him when his value is incredibly high. And now they're sitting in a place where, you know, you just had Tommy John surgery. He has an option for next year. You're probably not going to pick that up. Maybe there's a chance you can, you know, not pick up that option and, and sign a two year extension so that you have him obviously for 2024, as he rehabs, maybe he can come back late in the year. And then 2025, you have a healthy Herman Marquez before he potentially goes back out on the market. But You've muddied the waters in in a big way because maybe, you know, you didn't really pick a direction uh, that you really should have.
2: Right. Yeah. I mean, Herman Marquez is definitely a name that comes to mind, a guy that I think has been criminally underappreciated around baseball for a number of years. Same story with, with Kyle Freeland, honestly, Uh, you know, we all understand how difficult it is to pitch in Coors Field. And I think casual baseball fans are very quick to dismiss players who have big offensive seasons playing half their games in that ballpark. But the flip side of that is you have to give a lot of credit to pitchers who actually have a decent amount of success there. And yeah, Herman Marquez has certainly been one of those guys. I think he's the kind of pitcher where if you put him in, you know, a Dodger stadium, if you put him in San Francisco, suddenly he looks like, you know, a top of the rotation type starter. So. Yeah, that's another asset that, you know, unfortunately now that Rockies aren't really in position to make any kind of a move there, but that's another asset that you probably could have used to your advantage, at least explored what you could have gotten in a trade there, and and the Rockies didn't do that, and now they're obviously in a tough position with his future moving forward.
0: I want to talk plenty about the National League West, Diamondbacks, Dodgers, and, yeah, the Rockies, because they're still in that division. We'll talk more about them. <laughs> but I, I couldn't help but think, and, you know, at various points throughout the year, there's conversation about future Hall of Famers. Hey, you know, where is this guy at? You know, Shohei Otani, future Hall of Famer. Too soon. It's too soon. Obviously, he's on that trajectory. But we've seen so many young players. I mean, think about a, a guy who plays third base for the Diamondbacks right now, Evan Longoria. You would have said three years into his career, five years into his career. Yo, yeah, he's on a Hall of Fame trajectory. Right. But, it's a trajectory. It's not guaranteed. It is not locked in place. So you got to get those 10 years in. Freddie Freeman over the weekend, you know, does get his 2000th hit uh, on a double 300 home runs for his career. 98th player to reach that milestone. Seems like it might be a lot, but if you get 300 home runs, you've been around for for quite a while. He's, uh, he's definitely a, a player that has convinced me more recently that he deserves to be a Hall of Famer because first base is such a tough position, and he always seemed to be like a Fred McGriff player where he was always maybe the second or third best first baseman in the National League, but he's been doing it so long now at this point that you have to recognize that you know, he is an all-time great from this generation of players and deserves a spot in Cooperstown one day.
2: I absolutely agree. I think you know, when we talk about Hall of Famers, we often talk about the player's peak. You know, most players, if you if you play in the league for fifteen years or whatever, you probably have a, a span of, you know, three to five years, maybe six years, where you were really at the top of your game. That I feel would be sort of difficult to identify with Freddie Freeman because he's just been, as you said, not necessarily the best first baseman in the game, although maybe you could make that case at this point. Ian Paul Goldschmidt have kind of gone back and forth in, in that title in recent years. But yeah, he's been right up there as a star, as a clear cut star. In this league for a number of years, so yeah, I think you know it, he's he's far enough into his career where I think we can pretty comfortably say that he's he's headed in that direction.
0: And I think he's helped himself with stuff like off the field, just being a general good guy and everything that he represents. You say you want him almost to be a Hall of Famer rather than just yeah. leaving the resume as is. So uh, he's safe to do that. Are you? You know, again, we look things through the purple lens. Is it wild to think that the deal that he ended up getting from the Dodgers was six years, $162 million. And the deal that Chris Bryant got from Colorado was very similar. It was an extra year and an extra $20 million, seven-year, $182 million. We know how the things are going for the Chris Bryant deal right now as far as him... Being on the field, he is rehabbing in Albuquerque or will be on Wednesday and Thursday before probably uh, rejoining the Rockies on Friday for the start of the Detroit Tigers series. But even at the time, it seemed like perhaps a gross overpay for the Rockies and uh, very much an underpay that the Dodgers had with their Freddie Freeman deal uh, during that uh, offseason two years ago.
2: The Dodgers, man, they—they they just have this way. They just have this way of knowing, you know, how guys are going to age. And even you look at some of the trades that they've made in in recent years, it feels like they have this this supernatural ability to know which prospects are going to pan out and and which ones won't. Um, so yeah, I, I can't say I'm I'm all that surprised. Uh, the Dodgers, just the the way that they evaluate, uh, you know, external assets, I think is is very clearly among the best in the game it's not just that they have all this money to spend even though they do it's that they spend it better than pretty much anyone in the league like i think if you gave that amount of money uh in payroll to a bunch of teams around the league they wouldn't make it go nearly as far as what the dodgers are able to do and the freddie freeman contract is a clear example of that i don't know how the dodgers would have evaluated uh chris bryant uh internally at that point when he was a free agent but I imagine that you know they probably would have seen him playing a few more games with the Rockies than, than he has uh, than he has so far. They would probably have imagined him being a little more healthy than he's been. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I kind of wonder what their uh, internal analysis would have been of, of him and his future. I don't I don't know personally if I could have seen that coming. I mean, I I, I remember when when the Rockies made the move for Chris Bryant. The thought of Chris Bryant playing, uh, you know, potentially the rest of his career in that ballpark was. I mean he could be incredible. I I mean I know you've talked about him winning the batting title. Like those are the kinds of thoughts that I I don't think are are too out there. Uh he just hasn't been able to stay healthy and I don't know if you you fault the the Rockies for maybe not fully understanding his his medical situation going into this contract, but it's just a a, a tough break as far as I can tell.
0: The Dodgers of course can paper over mistakes that they made financially if if they do have you know, a bad signing. Do a, a search on Hector Oliveira. I think I got that name right. No one even talks about this guy, but they they paid a pretty penny. There's plenty of guys. He's the he's the Dodgers version of, of Yasmani Tomas. Uh right. to, to, to make a connection for the D backs world there. But on the other hand, again, they they spend that money really well. You know, in the Rockies, they're they have a really good payroll. Like they they're not cheap. Uh, Dick Monfort will spend money on the roster. It's just who they spend the money on—that's the problem. Or how do they come to those conclusions that these are the players we should be going after? And what are are the reasons? Is it for the on-field acumen, or is it maybe more for some off-the-field stuff, which you know does have some importance? But when you're winning a World Series, sometimes you're going to have some bad guys that are going to be in your clubhouse uh, to try sure. to get to that that next step. The uh, the American Raptors are, for one, not bad guys. They're great guys. They're great athletes from all sports. I mean, basketball, baseball, track and field. They play down at infinity park and they've got some special going on down there in Glendale, Colorado, where, you know, kids under 12 get in for free. It's rugby. It's, it's fantastic. You can learn the sport along with these guys, these professional athletes that are uh, learning a new sport and then are training uh, at infinity park. It's only uh, $10 uh, children again, 12 and under are free. It's really great. You can also go online, check out their, uh, matches live on ESPN plus and uh, American is where you get all of that. You can check out the DNVR rugby podcast as well because Colton Strickler does an amazing job breaking down the basics of the sport as well as talking with so many of those that are at the top of their game. So check out rugby town USA down at infinity park with the American Raptors and Jesse, are you guys uh, shady raised folks down there in Arizona? I mean, you need glasses but you really need Shady Rays specifically in Arizona, don't you?
2: Yeah, I, I lived a very a very deprived life growing up, Patrick, because <laughs> okay. I did not wear I did not wear sunglasses. I grew up in the Valley of the Sun, and I just never wore sunglasses. And now I have Shady Rays, and they are life changing. My eyes don't don't hate me nearly as much as as they used to. So, uh, yeah, shout out uh, shout out Shady Rays.
0: And I will attest that when I first met you, Jesse, my biggest takeaway wasn't you know your height. Uh, it was the fact that you had pin-sized pupils, and I think that has to do with staring into the sun. But <laughs> over over these last two years, dude, the pupils are have normalized. You got beautiful pupils yeah. now. And that's thanks to Shady Rays. Uh, You can thank us by using code DNVR to buy one pair, get one free. You can also head to the Park Meadows Mall, and you buy two or more pairs of polarized shades, and you get 50% off those bad boys. If you lose or break them, they'll replace them for you. And if you don't like them, hey, within 30 days, actually give you a full refund. So fear not. Normal pupils with Shady Rays. (laughs) Is your producer laughing back there? Are they commenting that?
2: Yeah, Emma's losing it back here. Absolutely.
0: Emma's like, wow, yeah, that's it. I haven't been able to put my finger on the the pupil situation here for Mr. Friedman. (laughs) Arizona, first place Arizona Diamondbacks. The potential obviously was there going into the season. They were one of those sleeper teams where you go, you got to really like them. you got to root for them to get into the postseason by hook or by crook to get the wild card. And now we're talking about one of the best teams in the National League. The The biggest question I have for a team that, again, so many of us could see the scenario in which it could play out. How has it played out this quickly into the season in the first half for them to be the best in the NL West along the likes of the Dodgers, the Giants, and Padres? Diamondbacks are first.
2: A whole lot of things have gone right, Patrick. That's that's the that's the short answer. Uh, I think coming into this season, if you squint a little bit, you could maybe have seen this outcome. You know, if if Cotel Marte gets back to being the hitter that he was 2 years ago, if Lourdes Gurriel comes over from Toronto and becomes the hitter that he's been in, in years past as well and you know, gets back to to some of the power that he showcased in, in past years. If Christian Walker has, you know, another strong season offensively. And the biggest one is probably if Corbin Carroll bursts on the scene and becomes the player that everyone dreams he could be on day one which is basically what he's done this season with, with what he, you know, I mean, it's incredible. He has an OPS over 900. He's one of the best base runners in the game. He's a, you know, a good defender in the outfield. He does everything and he, and he's 22 years old and this is his rookie season. And, you know, some people might've thought he could become this eventually, but he's already become this. And I think with young players who, who have you know that that kind of big future who have that that prospect status you never really know what you're gonna get you don't know if it's gonna take a few years you don't know if it's gonna happen on day one Uh, you don't know if if you know maybe they were overhyped a little bit and they're never really gonna become the player that you want them to be Uh, for Corbin Carroll I mean he's been everything the Diamondbacks could have hoped for and more and you know he's been probably the biggest part of what the Diamondbacks have done so far
0: everything that you're saying obviously rings true about young guys. You never know, which is why you need depth. That's why in the farm system, yes. you need to have multiple players. And going into the season, Diamondbacks had four of those kind of players in their outfield. Dalton, Dalton Varshaw, obviously a little bit older, but Jake McCarthy came on strong and, and looked like a world beater when he came to Coors Field in September of last year. And then Alec Thomas was that first big-name guy. And... The attrition rate of these prospects, it, it can go that way. You hope that one of them can can play out, and that's, that's absolutely the case. And, you know, you have to give GM Mike Hazen of the Diamondbacks all the credit because he identified the fact that, look, you need multiple guys because you can't put all those eggs in one basket, and— you gotta hope that that one of multiple guys will do it. Rockies are in a place right now with Zach Veen out for the rest of the year, and he was a guy that you know a lot of people were hyped about. I mean, we've we've got a venometer, we've we've got a piece of medical equipment to try to measure when he was going to make his major league debut <laughs> this year, and now it's kind of out of commission. It's down to zero percent because he won't uh, even possibly get a chance to make his debut until next year, and now there's not the next big hype prospect to come up. And I know that was a big part of, of Hazen's plan there was not just to try to go all in on one or two guys. It was really a full buffet of players. So many more that you haven't even mentioned, especially those on the pitching side to say, Hey, look, we're going to need a lot of these guys. So we might as well get a lot of these guys.
2: That's a great point. Yeah, I think the Diamondbacks have been. Uh, I mean, they're they're sort of the the poster children for not putting all of their eggs in one basket. They do have, especially on the on the pitching side, they have a bunch of pitching prospects right now. I wouldn't say any of them are projected to be aces, but they have a they have a bunch of pitching prospects who are either in the majors or right on the verge of the majors, and it, and it gives you a lot of flexibility. Where if one guy is struggling, you know, you can send him down. Another guy's been doing well down in Reno call him up you know see what he's able to do in the big leagues the d-backs have done a lot of that cycling in and out this season even alec thomas and jake mccarthy out uh, two outfielders that you mentioned earlier both of those guys have spent considerable amounts of time this year in the minors uh, even though coming into the year they seem like you know two of the most important players on this roster so having those different options not necessarily having to lean too much on any particular young player Except for Corbin Carroll, they've needed every everything that they've gotten from him. Uh, but not having to lean too much on any of these other guys has allowed them to sort of ride the hot hand and, and cycle through as as they've seen fit.
0: Not only is Corbin Carroll a Rookie of the Year award candidate; I mean, he's the front runner, head and shoulders. Okay, great. Uh, although Yuri <laughs> Perez, he's doing some some things. Like we got a long way to go. Yes. That's that's part of this. He's a front runner. He's, he's also an MVP candidate right now, which is wild to think because I think the only two guys in recent memory that have, have done the Rookie of the Year MVP dance is like Ichiro, who was a professional athlete, you know, coming over uh, to America from Japan, uh, and an all-world inner circle great, like Albert Pujols. Uh, you know, Carroll and, and the Diamondbacks. Dynamax have never won a Rookie of the Year award. Right. I mean, right. you, you know, that's like, that's one of those weird and wild stats. You go, Oh yeah. You know what? That's, that's kind of a strange anomaly. So it's been just interesting to see how great of a, of a head start Cause we kind of hope that, you know, our guy, Ezekiel Tovar, you know, he's, he's continuing to do incredibly well and, you know, he tried to make a push for the all-star game. I, I think he'll probably be on the outside looking in, but Carol has, has been an MVP candidate uh, is a great all-star candidate. I, I don't think there's been any, phase two voting results that have been released yet. But do you think there's a chance Carroll could be starting the all-star game up in his home area of Seattle? It would make for a great story.
2: It really would. We actually did get a phase two update just like maybe a couple hours ago. And it was Corbin Carroll and Mookie Betts were at the top. Mookie Betts was in first. Corbin Carroll was in second. Of course, it's it's the top two Uh, who would advance and and start in the all-star game so he is in as of now that's only from day one but as of now he is in good position to be in that spot and yeah he he deserves it I mean he absolutely deserves it you know that Diamondbacks players don't necessarily get a whole lot of notoriety around the league Uh, but Corbin Carroll is in a position right now where his numbers are so significantly better than the other guys on that list that i i think that voters who might not even know his name are like all right well this is kind of obvious yeah. um you know michael harris is in there lourdes guriel of the diamondbacks is also in there um you know who he was really really great for the first couple months of the season and then it's kind of tailed off i don't i don't really think he deserves the nod at this point but yeah it's an incredible story uh you know corbin carroll went to lakeside school which is a private school in seattle so He's a he's a local a local guy, and I know it would mean the world to him and his family uh, to be a part of that. So it's it's amazing that it, as of right now, it looks like he's going to get that opportunity.
0: He went to a private school in the Seattle area, huh? He did. Anyway, uh, so thirty five percent for Mookie Betts uh, in the outfield. Corbin Carroll thirty one percent. Yeah, Michael Harris the second. Um, A bit lower than that at 19%, Lourdes Gurriel at 16%. So uh, that would, yeah, that would make for such a wonderful story. Do you think Gurriel Jr. will still make the all star team? Uh, And is there anybody else on the diamond? I mean, you would think, again, if you're in first place in the NL West, you should have at least two representatives, probably even three guys get on there. We're not going to have a Joe Mantiply situation. Uh, I'll (laughs) say that much, right?
2: Probably not. No, the, the Diamondbacks, <laughs> according to their transaction log, actually sent Joe Mantiply down to Reno today. So uh, it's, a, it's amazing how fast things can change for a Leavers. But yeah, I think the d should have, in my opinion, they should have four All-Stars. Wow. Uh, I, think, I think three three is just a, a baseline. I mean, as you said, they're in first in the NOS. They have a second-best record in the National League. You know, in past years, we're used to seeing those kinds of teams have five, maybe even six representatives in the All-Star game. I don't know if the D-backs necessarily deserve that, but Corbin Carroll has to be in there. Uh, Zach Gallen has to be in there. He's the favorite, uh, uh, apparently, to win the Cy Young Award, according to a lot of different uh, sports betting odds that you'll find on the internet. Um, And then beyond that, I think Merrill Kelly has has a, a reasonable chance to make that team uh, he and Gallon have formed one of the most dynamic one-two punches in baseball. Cattell Marte, with with the month of June that he's had, I think he probably, unquestionably, should should make the team along with Luis Ariz. I don't think he should start. Luis Ariz obviously is doing the the 400 thing. Uh, he deserves that that spot more than anyone. But Cattell has an OPS of around 900 at this point, which is far and away better than any other second baseman in the National League. So I think he should be in there for sure. And then the other name I'd bring up is Geraldo Perdomo, uh, a player who <laughs> very few people really know about at this point. Uh, he opened the year in a platoon role with Nick Ahmed, Diamondbacks veteran shortstop. And they're kind of still doing that platoon to this day, Geraldo Perdomo is still sort of acting as a platoon player although he's maybe been been mixed in a little bit more here and there at other positions. But, yeah, I mean, he has an OPS well over 800. Uh, he is uh, one of the better shortstop defenders in baseball. And shortstop has just been kind of a light position in the National League this year. Yes. With Ray Turner struggling, as he has, uh, and and other guys as well. So I think there's a case to be made there, too.
0: And that's why I think Tovar still has an outside chance, especially because the Rockies will have themselves somewhat of a man situation that being one <laughs> representative Duncan on you, Jesse. Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I shouldn't. You're right. He got option today, but yeah, it'll be one guy and it really could just be a, a numbers game of like, Hey, what position do we kind of need? What, how does it fit? So Tovar's in the conversation though, you know, McMahon really is, has to be like that top guy right now. If you, uh, if you had your choice, if you had your druthers, yeah. uh, you, you don't have to worry about getting your choice when you come down to the DNVR bar because we always have a Colorado game on members again, 15% off. All food and drink, 20% off. All the merch at DNVRLocker.com. You get that physical diehard card that looks badass. I'll say that much. Uh, it's amazing. It, you know, existing members, you, you you automatically get that upgrade. You get a free shirt each and every year. Access to that diehards only content. Uh, especially the Rockies group, man. Tip of the cap to you guys because you you've been hanging in there so hard, Jesse. <laughs> yes, you you feel their pain, and you don't even know their pain, but you feel that pain. You know that pain, don't you, Jesse?
2: I mean, we we launched our show, Patrick, in uh, September of 2021 when the Diamondbacks were in the final month of a 52 win season. So, we know what it's like to to muscle through some some tough times.
0: <laughs> yeah, much much props to all the diehards getting that diehard only access on Discord. And some of our summer events we got coming up. UFC, man, there's two coming up in July, July 8th and July 29th. Come out for that on the corner of Colfax and York. Let's go ahead and preview a little bit of this Dodgers series. We've got uh, probable starters of of Connor Seabold going against Clayton Kershaw on Tuesday. These are all night games, too, by the way. Uh, I think they're all at 640. And the reason for that, uh, I know, but I guess I should probably say allegedly or I think that this is a bit of a payback. Because I don't know if the Dodgers pull this with the Diamondbacks, but on getaway day, it should be a day game partially with the reason why they call it a getaway day. So you have some time to get to your next city rather than traveling all night to go either back home or to a new city. And so the getaway day on Thursday is not a day game. It is a night game for these Los Angeles Dodgers. And in fact, the final week of the season, instead of playing Monday through Thursday, Rockies and Dodgers at Coors Field, it's going to be Tuesday through Thursday with a double header on Tuesday for the final week of the season, so you know what, sometimes payback can be a doubleheader in the final week of the season. On Wednesday, Kyle Freeland against Michael Grove, and on Thursday, Chase Anderson against Emmett Sheehan. That is a real name. That is a it is a great name for the Dodgers who are going to look to try to take all three. But it's always so incredibly hard to do that, especially against a Rockies team that that plays well at home. Uh, this is their home ballpark. You almost can't not be a threat to win two out of three against just about anybody in this building.
2: I know that Diamondbacks players and, and their coaching staff, they, they do not speak highly of, uh, of playing games at Coors Field. It's sort of like, a, all right, here we go. I hope we come back alive, uh, something along those lines. Yeah, it, it's a tough place to play, you know, even though the, the Rockies are uh, you know, not, not the team that a lot of people wish they were right now. There's still something intimidating for an outside team coming in there. No matter how good they are, it feels like you're playing a different game. Uh, at the end of the day, it is just baseball, but baseball at Coors Field, I know to players, feels like a different game. The, the you know, the, just how taxing it is on their bodies. It just, it, it's, it's different. It's a different recovery process for them. So, yeah, you know, I don't think I don't think the Dodgers are getting anything too easy in this series. And hearing those pitching matchups outside of the one today. Uh, you know, I, I think the I think the Rockies have a shot in this series.
0: It definitely is about survival for the visiting teams when they come here and just getting through it and going on to the next place. It's that's why it's, it's difficult to be a member of the Colorado Rockies because you're surviving half of the season. And then you go out on the road and pitches look different. It's a Coors Field effect. We know it, Coors Field Hangover, however you want to call it. It's uh, it's much different for the visitors. You just got to hold on and survive. And, uh, Jesse, I appreciate you holding on and, and surviving this conversation. I know you were dreading it. You tried to back out at the last minute and say, do we really have to talk about the Rockies? Yes. No, you, you didn't try to back out at all. You're a professional. I appreciate you. Go ahead and, and plug away and let folks know that, again, under our All City Network banner, I mean – you guys are doing some amazing things over there, and there's I've, I've had a couple of people talk about, you know, going down and, and maybe taking a trip down to Arizona or taking a look at some of the PHNX Diamondbacks and the the P- GoPHNX.com website, maybe even becoming a member to see some of the uh, stuff behind the way- paywall. So go ahead and plug away uh, a lot of a lot of the things that you and, and Derek are doing at GoPHNX.com P- and uh, as well as the GoPHNX uh, site on YouTube.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think D-backs fans and Rockies fans have a lot in common, right? They, they all hate the Dodgers, they all hate the Padres, and they all hate the Giants. So, you know, there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of room for crossovers here. Uh, yeah, you can find uh, our show over on the PHNX Sports YouTube channel. So if you're subscribed here to DNVR, we'd, of course, love if you would uh, subscribe to our channel as well on YouTube. Uh, if you're on the Twitterverse, you can find us over on Twitter at, at @phnx_dbacks. We have a lot of fun during games. Uh, my my uh, co-host and partner in crime, Derek Montilla, is is really a madman with with the memes and the gifts and whatnot. So uh, you know you'll you'll have a you'll have a great time if you uh, if you give us a follow on Twitter. Uh, you can also find me personally on Twitter at, at JesseNFriedman. Uh, um, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit more, a little bit more serious on Twitter than maybe our PHNX d account is, but, uh, but you know, I tweet stats and, you know, insightful things and, and those, and those things are important too, at the end of the day. So, uh, so yeah, uh, we would love for, uh, for any of you DNVR folks to, to join us over at PHNX.
0: That's the thing that you guys do really well. You're spontaneous, but there's also some things that are, dare I say, predetermined. So you guys have it, you guys have it covered. And, uh, and always we've got it covered on Twitter at DNVR underscore Rockies at Patrick D Lyons is where I'm at. But Jesse, I think you may know what they say about baseball and, and momentum, particularly when it comes to podcasts.
2: Um, uh, it's only as great as your next show. If I'm that's not right. mistaken, is that right? That,
0: that's right. And so tomorrow's going to be a great one because we got Susie Hunter back right here at 1 PM live on the DNVR sports channel on YouTube.
2: There we go.